You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. And we'll read just a few verses here in verse 16 through 19 and then going down to 26 and 27. If you have a red letter edition Bible, this is the words of Christ, the very words of Christ as recorded by the Apostle John. And he said in verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot see, cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This is Jesus speaking. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. Verse 26, if you skip down, he says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want to talk to us if I can for this morning. I changed the title on our crew back there. God's answer for trouble. God's answer for trouble. Let's lay our Bibles down and ask the Lord to have his way today. Jesus, I thank you. For your precious spirit that we feel here, I thank you for everyone that has made their way to church today. And I thank you for everyone that's online. And I pray right now, wherever we're at, wherever we're gathered, that the presence of the Lord could come down, that our hearts would be open to you, and that you can do a work in our midst. Do a work in me today, God. Do a work in my heart and my mind, my body, my spirit, my life today. And I pray this today, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Clap your hands as you're seated. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. You know, that is hard to do. It's hard to clap your hands and be seated at the same time. But I like throwing that in there every once in a while. Just to keep you on your toes. It is a reality that we need reminding of, well, we need encouragement. We need encouragement. How many need encouragement? You like that encouragement. You like that encouragement. Uh, you, you, you know that, uh, know that your family loves you, but man, isn't it awesome when they say it? And uh, it's even more awesome when they act it out. But we need encouragement. We need affirmation. We need uh, we, we, we need that encouragement. We, we can be in relationships for years and um, we still want to know that, that everything's okay. Uh, think, I think my first context is marriage. We, we still enjoy 
telling one another, I love you. Even after all these years, you know, not going anywhere, stuck with me now. But you still like that, man, you look nice, or I love you, or you're, 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 you're just my favorite person. There's something about that that just, man, it just encourages it. We need that encouragement. And we are no different than when we come to our relationship with the Lord. We, we like that affirmation. We like that encouragement. I need every Sunday. Now, maybe y'all are better than me. God bless you. I'm still working, but I need every Sunday when I come into the house of the Lord and man, I can feel his presence. It's like he's still there. It's I know he's still there. I know he still loves me, but man, it really is awesome when I feel it. He's still there. He's still working. He's still got everything in control. And we're human. This is natural for us to need this encouragement. The Bible testifies to this so much because we see how often do messengers, even angels show up and their word to us or to those that they are sent is fear not. Or don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because it's so easy for us to become afraid, to fear not. In fact, if you would go throughout scripture and you look at every place where it says, fear not, don't be afraid. That's not God coming or an angel coming or a prophet coming to people that aren't living like they should be living. That's coming to people who are living like they should be living, who are trusting in God, who are doing right by God. And yet it's those people that need encouragement. I can feel today in our world that we need encouragement more than ever before in our present state, in the present issues and things that are going around. It's like we need even more affirmation and confirmation of, of these things. There is a, 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 a heaviness, if you will. I don't want to be dark, but there is a heaviness. There are things that you feel as you go out and about your business in the world and you encounter other, other people. There is a darkness. There is a, a, a burden, if you will, that, that is on there. And sometimes, man, it, it, it's easy for us to get bogged down. We need encouragement. This is what John records in chapter 14 of his gospel. Most likely, John's gospel was the last gospel to be written. Most likely, we know John was uh, the apostle that lived the longest to our understanding. John died in exile after potentially uh, uh, not only suffering persecution, but maybe even certain forms of, of torture. We're not certain about that, but John would be the only uh, apostle of the 12 to die a natural death. He would live the longest, therefore, and, and he would write the epistles of John. He would write the book of the Revelation 
revelation of Jesus Christ, and he also would write a gospel. And so most likely this was written after the other gospels, after the early church was well into several decades of, of revival and existence. And now they are familiar with persecution. They are familiar with trouble. They are familiar with problems and situations. And John writes to the church to encourage the church and the things that he draws from in his memory and his mind are things that the other three gospel accounts did not write and things that John wants to pass on to the church. And so today we look at John chapter 14 and he begins this chapter by giving hope. In verse 1 he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, ye may be also, and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. He left them with hope. He was giving them hope. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, or that could also be translated many rooms. And as a family would expand, they would add on to their house room after room so that there would be room for the family to stay together. What Jesus is literally saying to his followers is don't be afraid. God never runs out of room for you. You never exhaust God's resources. You never are displaced, amen, by what's taking place in the kingdom of God. And he starts out by saying, let not your heart be troubled. I've come to someone today to tell you, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why do you say this? Because it is possible to live for God, to be a follower of Christ, to be sitting in the very presence of Jesus himself and still allow our hearts to be troubled for the things that are going on around us. This was what Jesus was saying. You can have the blessings and the promise of God, but yet you can still allow your heart to be troubled. I want to encourage somebody this morning, if I can. I want to encourage somebody that in these last few months and weeks, or maybe even years, you've been troubled. You've been wrestling with things. There's doubt. There's fears that have come upon you. I've heard people recently 
as uh, uh, the pandemic has evolved and unfolded, I've heard people talking about things. Uh, it's right that we talk about these things that are brought into perspective. The mark of the beast is a hot topic on YouTube. The rapture of the church, the tribulation, where are we at? What's going to happen? Where are we going? And, and there is a certain anxiety that has also come in our conversations. I think we all could probably attest to certain realities and we could confess that, that we maybe have, have also been a part of this. It was in this present condition. It was in these types of condition that Jesus would not only speak to his disciples, but that John years later would pick up the pen and write to the church, reminding them the words that Christ said. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that ye may abide, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This was Jesus speaking to them expressly and specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost being with them. He says, I will pray the Father. Who is the Father? The Father is that God eternal, that God invisible, that God immortal, that God that has no beginning and no ending, the God that is above time and space, the God that cannot be comprehended by finite minds, that God that authored everything. From him comes everything, the world, the heavens, the stars, all matter, all exist. The realm of everything that we know comes from him. He is the creator. He is the author. He is the father. Jesus spoke the father. I will pray the father. I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter. Why did he say another comforter? Because Jesus Christ is himself the prince of peace. And so he was standing to before them and he said, I've got to leave. I've got to go. I've got to go and prepare a place. He spoke of his cross. He spoke of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He spoke of his ascension up into heaven where he would reign victorious and he would reign over all things. He was letting them know that while I have been your prince of peace, there is another comforter that is coming. And he says, I'm praying to the father that he will send the comforter. And then he goes on and he says, you know him for he dwelleth with you 
And he says, and shall be in you. He was letting them know there's going to be a change right now. You know him and he's with you, but there's going to be a change because I will not just be with you, but I will be in you. And he says in verse 18, to clarify, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. He says yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. I'm going to ascend. They will not see me anymore, but you see me. Ye see me. Why? Because you know I live and ye shall live also in the spirit. You're going to know. You're going to see me. You're going to understand. What was he saying here? It could be misunderstood. It could be misinterpreted. Is he talking about the father? And is he talking about himself? And is he talking about someone else that is the comforter? Is he talking about different things? No, this is God himself manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ speaking to us, revealing to us the greatest thing that we could ever know. And it also happens to be God's answer for trouble in our life. For Jesus, when he speaks this way and he says, I will pray the Father, he had just conclusively spoken to them and said to them in a few verses earlier, he said, I am the way in verse six. I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father, but by me. He had spoken of that father. Who is that father? It is the unknowable. It is the invisible. It is the eternal God. Why do we say it's unknowable? Why do we say he's unknowable? Unknowable because our finite comprehension, our minds cannot know him. Our minds cannot comprehend him. Our minds cannot perceive him, his greatness, his majesty. Amen. His wonder. He is is, as the Old Testament uses the word, word terrible. There is a terror when we look at him as infinite and we are finite. There's a, an, an inability to comprehend. It is terrifying in ourselves. But what we know throughout all time, throughout all of history, throughout all of scripture, what Jesus was saying was, I am the unknowable God made knowable. I am the invisible. God made visible. John writes this in chapter one, for he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What was the word? It was that logos. It was the revealed of God. And he goes on and says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. Abraham knew him as the God who stepped into time and space. He was the most high God who had dealings with humanity. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. I am the God eternal. Amen. Made present. I am the God untouchable. Made touchable. I am the God. Amen. Unrevealed. Revealed to you in glory. Jesus came as God manifest in the flesh. Make 
do not, do not be mistaken that he was killed and crucified because he claimed to be that very God. What was the distinction he was making? Philip was confused. There's always one person in the crowd that's confused. If you had known me, you should have known the Father also. From, from henceforth ye know him, verse 7, and have seen him. Look at verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Now sayest thou then, show us the Father. He was saying, listen, you can't see this God that fills all time, matter, and space, except he reveal himself to you, and he's revealed himself to you. I am he. Yeah. I am that Father made knowable, put in locale, walking on this earth. That's why Jesus was able to do so many miracles. But there is a distinction that he makes, and that is the distinction between the God unknowable and the God knowable. Jesus Christ is that God manifest in the flesh. But God did not cease to be invisible, eternal. He did not cease to be fill all in all when Jesus Christ walks on this earth. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth to displace or erase the knowledge of God that had already been given. But He came as the manifest of God eternal to give glory back to the God eternal. Through to us, He communicated that to us. And so when He speaks to them after He says, I am that God unknowable made knowable, He then speaks to them letting them know that God did not cease to exist. God does not cease to exist because here I am, I'm hungry. He's God manifest in the flesh. But God does not cease to exist. Why was this so important? Because the disciples were going to watch Jesus Christ be crucified yeah. on a cross. And if they thought that Jesus Christ displaced the eternal God and the eternal God no longer exists, and they watch their God go to the cross and die, yes. they would have thought God's dead. There is no God. What Jesus is saying is, no, I am God manifest in the flesh. God is always. I am always. And he said, I am God manifest in the flesh. In this flesh, I must go. I must suffer. He's told them many times, I must die. Three days, I'll be raised again. He is that God. He is that Messiah. He is the, both the root and the offspring of Jesse. But God is always in control. God never ceases to exist. God sees everything all the time. He's saying to them, don't be mistaken, I'm sitting here as God manifests in the flesh, but just because I'm sitting here, I still know what's going on around the rest of the world. I still see every sickness around the rest of the world. I still know everything else around the rest of the world. And he said, and when I'm crucified and I'm resurrected and then I'm ascended, I, I'm going to to pray 
obey the Father because I can do that. You see, I am God manifest in the flesh and I'm going to send another comforter. You see him, but, but he's going to be in you. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is not another entity. It is not a separate being, but it is that spirit of unknowable God, unseeable God, of eternal God, of the God that we can't comprehend and know. It's a spirit that comes down and lives inside of you. And the same God that said, let there be. Hallelujah. The same God that said, let there be and there was is going to come down and live inside of you and me. Jesus, therefore, says, I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I will come to you. That's why when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of the Lord is in our heart, we are receiving Jesus Christ himself inside of our heart. The Spirit of the Lord is inside of our heart. But when Jesus comes, when the Spirit comes inside of my heart, he does not cease to be God in heaven. God eternal. No, he's still God. He's still our father. He's still the creator of the universe. He's still the one that fills all in all. Jesus said to them, he said, I am the way. He was exclusive. I cannot make apologies for the exclusivity of the gospel that I am called to preach. There are good ways. There are nice ideas in this world, but there is only one way to be saved. There is only one way for you to have hope in your soul and in your spirit, and it is through Jesus Christ. He is not just another option. You sent me a report this week, says Larissa, the report. What was the title of the report there? Yeah, Bible in America today or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And of course, the polls and the studies, you know, that they do. It was amazing how many people believe that the Bible have some good things, has good things, is probably right. That if we live by the Bible, most people say, yeah, if we live by the Bible, it's probably right. And then on the other hand, it was amazing how many of those same people said they actually never read their Bible. It was amazing how many people thought that basically the Bible, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, and other religious books are all really basically the same thing. They are not basically the same thing. They may espouse the same thing in in, in certain areas, but Jesus was very exclusive. This is not a welcomed, this is not a welcomed gospel. This is not a welcome message in our world today. But when you're seeking for comfort, I'm telling you, there's only one place you can go to get comfort. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. You may go other paths. You may choose other religions. You may follow after other things. But I promise you, at the end of that, you will not find comfort, but there is a comfort that comes from Jesus Christ. Hallelujah alone. What a mighty God we serve. Look at what he says, but the comforter in verse 26, which is the Holy Ghost. 
Can you get that verse up there? 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Look at what Jesus was saying. He's sending it in my name. What does this mean? This is exclusive with Jesus Christ. You can't get the comforter. You can't get the Holy Spirit without going through Jesus Christ. You can't get Jesus Christ without understanding and acknowledging that there is an almighty, eternal, everlasting God. And if you understand that there is a God that was before the beginning and there's a God that'll be after the ending and that God made himself manifest and that manifest God came down and died on a cross for your sins and my sins and he gave us a promise of his spirit then and only then can we receive the comfort that God has for us look at what he says he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you I'm here to tell you, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the spirit of the Holy Ghost in your heart and in your life. Who is the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy Ghost is the spirit. It is what I have called and you have heard said before, the relative presence of God that is alive in your life and in your spirit. God knows no limits, so God is here. But there are times... And Brother Philip, I know you've listened to the Absolute series, and we've shared some remarks on that, taught it a few years ago, and in that I I talked uh, uh, at length about this, what is the relative presence of God. God is without limit. God is everywhere. God fills all in all. There's no place that you can go that you can get away from God that, that God, uh, let's say, uh, uh, cannot move, cannot work. There's, there's no way that we can run from God, escape God. But then we use, we know that. That's our theology. That, that's, that's basic. That's fundamental. But then we use language like this. I feel the Spirit of the Lord in here today. And if we're not mistaken, we can walk away and say, oh, well, well, God's here today, but he wasn't here before. No, he's always here. He's always here. But the difference is whether or not he's Lord over your life. When he's Lord over your life, the relative presence of God, all of a sudden that presence is made relative to me right now. All of a sudden it has power. It has authority. It has a liberty to work in my life. And so that's why we say the relative presence of God, because God does not cut a piece of the spirit out and all of a sudden come down and send a piece of the spirit down there in that place. God, God cannot be displaced like that. What I'm saying is our minds cannot comprehend that, but there is something that becomes relative when the spirit of God comes inside of our heart and inside of our soul. Wow. There's a power. There's a peace. There's a comfort. Amen. That's working inside of your heart, inside of your soul, inside of your spirit. You need the Holy ghost. I need the Holy ghost. I need the Spirit of God in my life. So what's what's God's answer for trouble? His answer for trouble is the Holy Ghost. Why? He said, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm sending the Comforter, and the Comforter is going to be in you. It's not an accident that he titled the Holy Ghost the Comforter. He could have said, I'm sending... The deliverer, the way maker, the joy giver. But he said the comforter. 
Because we are going to need comfort every day in this life. So what is this Holy Ghost that he's talking about? He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Well, the Holy Ghost we know was poured out in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. Jesus ascends up into heaven and he tells them to go to Jerusalem and tarry, wait until you be endued with power from on high. And he said, it's the promise of the Father. Why did he say that? Because it had been promised by four or five specifically prophets in the Old Testament, but then it had also been promised in other ways. And so they come to Jerusalem eight days later. They go to the Jerusalem and they, they go to the temple every day. They're praying there in an upper room. And while they're gathered together, Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Look at this in Acts 3 and 4. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And then look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. The Spirit Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we use this, this term, Holy Ghost, which for somebody that's not ever been around church. This probably seems like a funny uh, phrase to use. This is an old English concept uh, or word that that was used in the KJV, and it's become part of our language here. When we talk about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing, the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to be afraid of, so don't say I'm afraid of ghosts. <laughs> That's not an excuse. You're not afraid of this ghost. <laughs> Because this isn't a ghost like you're thinking. They, when, they, when, the, when those translators were translating this, they were trying to get a concept for what this was. It was other. It was unique. Holy Ghost. This spirit, though, of God. It's not just anybody's spirit. It's the spirit of God that comes down inside of you. And the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, there was all this, there was always accompanying this phenomenon when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why tongues? Why tongues? Well, this is what God chose. This is what's recorded in Scripture. This is what God chose. But I could make sense of it a little bit by understanding that James said this, that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. I think we've learned and always learn, especially in this year, that man, you can say things, your tongue can be the hardest thing to discipline, the hardest thing to control. When frustrations, you're closed in, everybody's in the house, nobody's able to leave, all of a sudden, your tongue is a hard thing to control. And what more wonderful way than for God to see glory in our life through the tongue, through the expression of praise and worship, And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. Spirit. The Spirit gives the utterance. 
when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as they did in the book of Acts, the Spirit does a work. And here's the beautiful thing about it. You do not have to depend upon me as the pastor of this church or a preacher to know when you have received the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. God did not leave the comfort of knowing you're saved up to someone else. He said, you're going to know. You're going to know. You say, well, there's a whole lot of imposters. There's a lot of fakes out there. There's a lot of quacks. There's a lot of crazy people out there. Yep, that's right. That's why it's ever more important for you to know for yourself and not have to have anybody tell you that what happened to me was I just received the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't need anybody to tell you. You don't need anybody. And if somebody comes and says that wasn't real, you say, "Mm mm-mm. I know what happened. I know what I felt in my heart. I know what I felt in my soul. Come on. He loves us so much. Remember? He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Come on. Our salvation is not suspended by some religious orthodoxy that I've got to do all this. Jesus said you could be right in your own room. You can be in your own house. You can be wherever. Amen. And you're going to know that you know because he said, I will come to you. Hallelujah. How many remember the day you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What a beautiful day that was. Powerful moment that was. Oh, I thank God for that. I have had experiences in the spirit. Thankfully, some of them have been, most most of them have been by myself. And uh, wow, where God has done things for me. I'll never forget. Sister of this church told us uh, just last year that she was praying uh, before she ever came to church, praying in her, in her uh, praying down in, in sort of a prayer closet. And uh, while she was praying, uh, she, uh, she said, it was like, I was, I, I, I know I was weeping and crying before the Lord. She said, but when I came to, she said, I don't know what happened. She said, but when I came to, she said, I, I had no tears. My face was totally dry. And I was speaking in a language that I did not know. And she was, she didn't, she was scared to tell anybody about it. She didn't know. She was scared to tell anybody about that. I'm going to tell you, you know how many times that has been the testimony of people that said, Hey, I was just praying. And all of a sudden I got the Holy ghost. Can I tell you, God does not care what label you wear on your religious sleeve. When you go to prayer, he does not look and say, are they apostolic? Are they Pentecostal? Are they Methodist? Are they Baptist? Are they Catholic? When you go to prayer in sincerity of your heart, God can come down and he inhabits the praises of his people and he will dwell in the midst of his people. I have talked to, I have talked to more than one pastor and pastor's wife of a previously denominal church where they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were afraid to tell anybody about it. There was one lady we, or one family we met, it's probably been about 15 years ago now, and uh, 
uh, they, they found, we were working at Indiana Bible College, long story short, they found Indiana Bible College online on YouTube, and the pastor wanted to send his son to Indiana Bible College, so we flew in, and we were meeting, and I said, how did you find out about us? How did you know, you know, here we are, uh, a, a Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostal Bible College, and, 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 and you know, no disrespect, you're, you're a Baptist pastor, I, I'm surprised you're wanting to bring your son here, and he told the story of how God had done a work in his life, his wife received the Holy Ghost getting ready for church one Sunday morning. He said, I was in the car, we were late to church, and I was so upset. And he said, at my wife, she was up there acting like she's taking a long time or whatever. And he said, I didn't know she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she was afraid to tell the pastor, which happened to be her husband, because they didn't believe in speaking in tongues. They didn't believe in the Holy Ghost. And he said, man, it caused a lot of tension when when she finally told me it caused a lot of tension in our family and everything else, but God had filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God had done a work in his life, and I'm going to tell you, I believe that more and more as we see the day approaching, God's Spirit's going to be poured out upon all flesh all over. If they've got a pulpit, if they've got the Bible, if they're praying honestly, God responds. This, hear me today. Come on, let's be careful, Pentecostals. Let's be careful, apostolics, that we think we have a corner on the market. God's Spirit can be poured out any place, at any time, upon anyone, at any moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what? I, I pray for all my good friends. The Baptist, the, 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 whoever, whatever, whatever kind of church they pastor, I don't care. I'm praying for all of them. God, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. I don't even have to know about it. Just fill them with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that could happen in your life. It's the greatest thing that could happen in your life. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes. This week is Revival Week. It's a good week to get the Holy Ghost. But today's a good day to get the Holy Ghost. And if it's been a while since the Holy Ghost has been at work in your life, then you need to be renewed with the Holy Ghost. Paul said this, he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. He was not boasting of his gift. He was not boasting of his spirit. He was saying, I'm dealing with you, the Corinthian church, and what you need is the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'm thankful that, man, I know I need the Holy Ghost. I've been praying through. You need to pray through. Because if I don't pray through, I'm going to end up dealing with problems that you're dealing with. I need the Holy Ghost in my life. I need the Spirit of God in my life. Look at what he says. Peace, I leave with you. You can come to the music. Peace, I leave with you. Some of us forgot where he left it. (laughs) What did he say? My peace I give unto you. And not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I've got peace. Like a river. 
I'm feeling a holy boldness coming over me right now. You see, we're living in interesting times. There's a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of chaos. There's a whole lot of lies. There's a whole lot of confusion going on. As pastor, I don't speak about political things and stuff very often, hardly ever in the pulpit. The reason why is because I take my cue from the Bible and not from the editorial page. Hear me, follow me for a minute. Jesus Christ himself lived through incredibly politically adverse times. Yet where do you find in Scripture him straightening out the politics of the day. Where do you find the apostles straighten out the politics of the day? Did he have an opinion on the peace? Absolutely. Did he have a solution for everything? Absolutely. But he said, my peace I give to you. Not of the world. My peace. He knew what was coming. He knew it was a cross. He knew there was all kinds of things. And yet when we look at the Gospels, Jesus was never in a hurry. Ever. He never was running late. Ever. He was always calm. He never lost his temper. He never lost his calm. Even when he goes to the temple to overturn the money changers, he went in and paused to braid together a whip. He even took his time there. That's the peace. He says, I give you peace that has no anxiety. Peace that has no fear. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't have opinions on what's happening in this world. Not that I don't understand. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't see what's going on. But the Lord's answer for trouble was not dealing with and looking at the trouble. It was looking at what God's going to do and not what's going on around here. The comforter. You go ahead and focus on your storm, but I'm focusing on the comforter because there is a God that says, I will be with you. A God that says, I will be in you. A God that says, I will fight your battles. A God that says, do not be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Come on, somebody needs to stop letting the devil take your joy and let the devil take things from you. Come on, I choose the comfort. He is the Prince of Peace. Come on, somebody needs to let God speak peace. Be still. You worried about your sickness? Are you worried about your health? That's a reality. Are you worried about your finances? That's a reality. Are you worried about what's going on? Can I tell you, let not your heart be troubled. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to present a false picture. There have been days where I've got up and said, oh God, what in the world are we going to do? Don't get me wrong. There's been days where I thought, what in the world is happening right now? There's been days where you want to pull your hair out, but you got to go back to let not your heart be troubled. 
There has to be a determination in my heart that says, uh-uh, uh-uh. He left us peace. Now let's hold on to what he left us. Come on, we, we've forgotten what he left us. He left us peace. Well, Pastor, you know this is going on and now they're doing this. Yeah, I know, but you can get to a place to where it doesn't bother you anymore. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Would you pray with me, church, right now? In the name of the Lord, Jesus, have your way right now. God, we don't need man's interpretations. We don't need man's opinions. We need the true word of God. We need that spirit in our life, God. We're living in a day, God, where we need the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Lord, let the spirit of the Lord have a liberty right now. God, let your spirit have a liberty in our mind and our heart, over our body, over our soul, over all our anxieties. Let the comfort of the Holy Ghost be here today. Let the comforter come. You'll never have comfort without the Holy Ghost. You'll never have comfort without the Holy Ghost. The comfort, I'm talking about a depth of comfort without the Holy Spirit inside of your life. You need the Holy Ghost today. Would you stand together with me? If you're able to stand, we're going to turn this house into a sanctuary of prayer. Amen. If you absolutely need to come to the altar, you're welcome to come to the altar with a mask. But you can pray right where you're at. Because what we need today is we don't need, amen, we don't need you putting faith into what I'm saying. We need to put faith in what he says. Put faith in his word today. Come on, somebody needs to reach out right now on the Holy Ghost. Just come on, cry out to God. Can you bring your fears and your troubles? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Let me walk in peace. Give me a boldness before trouble. Give me a boldness before hurt and pain. Give me a boldness before all the sickness and the issues of this world. Give me a boldness in my heart. Give me a boldness in my spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As we began, we're going to sing for a while here tonight. I'm going to challenge you to pray until the Holy Ghost comes in your life. You need a renewing of the Holy Ghost today. You need the Spirit of the Lord today. If you don't know what the Holy Ghost is, come on, just we'll, we'll be happy to talk to you about it. We'll be happy to give you a Bible study about it. You can reach us if you're watching online. But God can fill you with the Holy Ghost right where you're at in your house today. Come on, can we lift up our hearts towards the Lord today? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I need you today, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you lift your hand right now? Come on, no one looking around. If you need the Holy Ghost, would you lift your hand right now? Come on, nobody looking around. God, I need you today. I need the baptism of your spirit. Come on, that's it. Would you just lift your heart toward heaven today? In Jesus' name, fill me right now.